You are now tuned in to Believe. Do you believe? Welcome and thank you for tapping into some untapped keg. I'm here, RJ Zimmerman, here with my buddy, Monte Ball. Hello, hello. And we are very pleased to be joined by Duke Rumley from Sober AF Entertainment out in Denver, Colorado. How are you doing, sir? Woo! Yeah, our applause track. Yes, We've been so I'm it. awesome. It is an honor to be on the show. You've got a great IT team. They've been terrific. Thanks for flying me all the way out here. Yeah. This has been great on the show. Great to meet you guys. Yeah, love we, what uh, you're doing. Put you up Thank in a hotel. Thank put you. you up in a suite. Yeah. Uh, I've <laughs> never been treated so nice. Thank you so much. This Four Seasons was great. We appreciate that, but it's awesome to have you here, man. We really, really appreciate you hopping on with us. <laughs> awesome. Hey, well, thank I'm you a- for being so adaptable, too, to how we do things. We appreciate that, too. Well, we're all figuring it out right now, right? Uh, you know, trying to figure out how do we do kind of a little technology, keep up the technology. And I love this platform. I love uh, podcasts because, you know, like Zoom, you're always staring at yourself. But on a podcast, <laughs> you just kind of listen and you – I can multitask in podcasts where – you know, if it's a Zoom, you can't really multitask. And so I've really enjoyed your guys' show. I've listened to a bunch of them. Um, and uh, I love how real you keep it. And it's, um, you know, trying to be more impactful than just talking about sports. So I I greatly appreciate that. We appreciate that, man. That's, that's Thank we you. love Thank that. you. It so humbles us for sure. <laughs> let's, get, let's get into it. All right. Yes. We love what you're doing. We love that. You you approached us about this and we looked at it. We're like, okay, this is awesome. Like, yes, we're gonna have this guy on. Let us know what sober AF entertainment or safe is. Right. So this kid friendly show or um, yeah, we yeah. Allowed to cuss we a tr- bit? we try to keep it mostly uh, I family friendly. So, <laughs> the, I mean, here's the great news: sober AF entertainment. The acronym is safe. S-A-F-E. Yep. So it's really sober entertainment. And we um, set this up so the AF can mean a hundred things. It can mean sober and fun entertainment. It can mean sober alcohol-free entertainment. It can be sober asshole-free entertainment. There's a lot of things (laughs) it could stand for. Um, So I I love this question just because I like to deflect it by saying – Last night, 224 kids overdosed and died of drugs. And the night before that, 224 kids overdosed and died of drugs. And it was 82,000 kids over the last 12 months who have died of drug overdose. So, you know, instead of um, being overly concerned, Mr. News Reporter, about uh, what this AF can mean, let's talk about the real thing. Like, why is there no secondary culture for these kids Besides this ecstasy lifestyle we're seeing at musicals and uh, beer pong at uh, all the sporting events. So we got to do something for these kids. So that's what my response is. But it's also, um, if it was called sober entertainment, it would not sound as good, right? But sober (laughs) AF entertainment, I mean, we need to bring a little edge to this. 
and kind of what we were discussing before, like we're going to have not just like a sober support tailgate, we're going to have a badass sober support tailgate. And if it's lame, the kids smell it, they know it's lame and they mm-hmm. don't come back. Mm-hmm. So you got to right. have a big screen TV. You got to have some decent food. Um, anyways, I'm kind of jumping ahead of myself a little bit. So the name is Sober AF Entertainment. We started three years ago. Um, I did like a sober support event maybe four years ago and a buddy showed up with sober AF cookies written on it. And I just love the name, right? That's so. fantastic. That's really cool. <laughs> we appreciate that, man. So, yeah. so, so the acronym, so safe, sober AF entertainment. I think you made a great point about, you know, obviously providing those stats, those numbers, you cannot deny numbers, um, cannot deny stats. And then, just talking about how the media tries to that's that's the media for you. They're gonna focus on the AF part, but it's like, wait a second, you're focusing on this. Let's focus on the eighty-six or what was it, eighty-four thousand kids who right. have eighty-two thousand people gosh. in the US died a drug overdose. The year before it was seventy-two thousand. Year before that it was seventy thousand. Exactly. So uh, it has gone up oh I mean has skyrocketed from like 20,000 mm-hmm. all the way up to this 82,000 number over the last 12 months. And it's good. It's getting worse. I mean, these kids are isolated at home. Um, they can't get drugs. Uh, fentanyl is cheap coming over the border out of Mexico and it is killing, you know, on average 224 kids every single night. Um, so, you know, a, we need to talk about it. B, we got to educate them on it. And see, maybe give them an, another option. You know, it's not like, hey, we're this group that is like, hey, you can't do it abstinence based your entire life. Right. We're just like, hey, you know what? <laughs> you want to take a night off? We got a spot for you. Yeah. Um, I think that's the important part, having that secondary option for them. Um, there's not a lot, or if any, if I know of, or RJ, if you know of, places that are doing this, doing stuff like this. Not something similar and as big like, you know, I've seen uh, from your pictures and posts and stuff like what you what you do. And like you said, you do it. You do it big. You do it right. Like, um, you know, I remember uh, prom like uh, at in high school that one of the groups there to give people an alternative to drink actually put on like this like lock in thing. That was actually they did a really nice job. They brought in like. You know, bounce house big enough for high school kids. Who doesn't like a bounce house? No matter how old right. you are, let's be honest, right? They had like uh, like prizes and like a scavenger hunt. There was a battle of the bands, and you could just stay there all night. You didn't. They didn't kick you out till like nine o'clock the next morning. They had to be out of there. So like, it, it was an alternative. But like, you take that to the next level to help people understand there's an alternative. You don't have to. In order to be so- social, you don't have to partake in. Uh, substances. So, yeah. Uh, I would so say, yeah, with, so you've been very innovative in the space. Uh, so creative. What has helped with that? Because, uh, like you said, you got to get kind of, you know, in a 90s term, extreme with it, right? Like everything right. had extreme there. I really like the AF. Like, you know, you're Good. kind of ahead of uh, what, you know, people be able to, uh, Think is cool, right? Cool. But yeah. RJ, like, thank you. Cool. <laughs> thank you for saying that. And it's true. I mean, there's two aspects to this. A, it has to be cool. And B, you know, we have to also understand like there is a little extra 
awkwardness to being sober, right? Mm -hmm. If you can take a couple of drinks and cut off that awkwardness, that's why I drank. And if I'm trying to choose not to drink, we have to, uh, like, anyways, my, uh, I've started this, um, with the help of my daughter at the time she was 23 years ago. So she's 23 now, three years ago, we started this. She was at a concert seeing Louis the child and she's texting me. She needs to take an Uber home. And as a concerned parent, I'm like, all right, what's going on? And it turns out all the kids that she had gone with had taken ecstasy and she just didn't feel safe driving home with them. And at the same time, my son, who was 16, his best friend got a hold of a weed brownie. And I get a call that I have to pick him up at the high school football game. And I'm like, what's going on? I thought you had a ride home. And he's like, yeah, you know, my friend got a hold of this weed brownie and he's in that ambulance on their way to the hospital. Oh, my goodness. Um, and I had just worked in this recovery field. I'm 31 years sober now. I've worked in the recovery field for about 10 years, and I had just seen this spike in overdose deaths. And my kids are in this danger zone. And, you know, my thinking was like, what do I wish I could do right now that six months from now, if I'm at a hospital because of this overdose or, God forbid, a funeral of my child, I wish I would have done right now. You know, that was kind of my thinking, like, look, we need to do something now so I don't regret this later. So we came up with this idea of hosting sober sections at music festivals, concerts, and sporting events. Um, and I did that because when I got sober, there was a sober support group inside the Grateful Dead called the Wharf Rats. Um, and they have been around since like the mid-80s. So I got sober in 89. And just this idea, like, there was a group of people staying sober at Grateful Dead shows. Like, you know... Like my big fear is like, <laughs> if I get sober, you know, my life's going to suck, right? There's no more fun. You know, I don't want to live without being kind of this edgy, fun guy. And knowing that there was that sober support group, so I could be kind of, you know, the college student, sober kid, 28 days out of the month. But for three days, I could then, you know, go to Grateful Dead shows and yep. find a sober wingman, uh, you know, kind of made all this difference in my mentality, my really that those first couple of months, first couple of years. Um, so fast forward, I have this experience with my kids and I'm like, why is there not that kind of idea at the newer stuff that the kids like? So we did a sober support um, tailgate at a base nectar show here in, in Denver. That was our very first one, June 1st, 2018. Um, and they had their own sober support inside the venue called the Hummingbirds. So this group would travel with or would have a table at all the Bass Nectar concerts. And they hosted some type of like meetup at 8.08 p.m., which is his area code. And that was his number. Um, so it was great. Right. That was our first one. Really cool. And then we did one at Red Rocks for Big Head Todd and the Monsters. And, you know, we're getting like 10s and 15 people. And then we did one at a Rockies game. And we sold 140 tickets in six days. Just, there you go. And that's where I'm like, all right, so there is actually a real want for this. Mm -hmm. And we would like cook hot dogs and hamburgers beforehand. And we worked at this gym or we worked with, a, there's a sober gym out of Colorado called the Phoenix. And we set up a wiffle ball in there. Um, but to your point, my daughter said like, look, this can't be like some group therapy thing. Like, look, we need things to do. We just don't, 
walk up and start talking to each other. You know, we, so we, we've learned like if you can help someone through that first 10 minutes of being at an event, you know, so make sure there's food, big screen TV, cornhole, you know, some, something to kind of get them engaged right away. Then, um, you know, after 10 minutes, they've learned how to do it sober. And, uh, I, I think, I mean, there's a lot of learning how to have fun sober when you're, when you're, you're new, because everything is a new experience. You're kind of this raw nerve. Um, you don't know anyone or you're not sure you're gonna, you're gonna like it. So, um, really that has been one of the things we just tried to do right away. Um, especially if it's a football game, make sure there's a big screen TV. Of course. Absolutely. And I, I kind of wanted to take a step back here because whenever you mentioned the, you know, whenever you, um, you know, that connection that people make at these, at these events and not talking about that 10 minute gap window, you know, making sure that they feel comfortable in those 10 minutes. So my question to you is like, what are some of the success stories that you hear from folks? Like the appreciation that you hear from, right. from, you know, some 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 people who just like you stated, you know, they don't know what to do. They don't know where to go. They don't know how to acclimate to certain or in certain groups <laughs> at certain events. So my question is, yeah, what are some of these stories that you you've heard, like people thanking you and 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 loving exactly what you're doing? So, Monte, thanks. Cool question. You know, there's definitely been a couple aha moments like. I don't know why I started this thing. It was like really to help my kids and it's morphed into this other thing where, you know, I thought for sure we would have run across this on the East coast or the West coast or, you know, rarely have I started kind of a new idea per se or something that hasn't already been done. Um, so kind of the aha moments I've had with our movement. Uh, I just will never forget this, you know, 24 year old kind of pink Mohawk, kid coming up to a a sober tailgate we had with the Rockies and it was doing during the wiffle ball and you just kind of came in and you could just see he just came alive like oh my god like we can do this we can do this sober like like we're gonna have popsicles and hot dogs and go to a football loud yes (laughs) it was like this mind-blowing moment um and it really kind of proved like our movement is not for the kids who are 10 years sober flying in from Austin, Texas to go to the fish show. Right. I mean, that right. kid's got enough support. He's spending 300 bucks a night on a hotel and, you know, hundred dollars on tickets and, um, and they have their own sober support, but yep. you know, it's a little more for a community that's living in a, you know, $500 a month, sober living, um, that, you know, spending 20 bucks on a ticket is a, is a commitment and we get that. So, um, so that was one of the aha moments. Um, you know, I had another aha moment where we were doing a sober tailgate at the Colorado state, Colorado football game. And I wasn't getting much, uh, help trying to do this with the Colorado state university, even though my daughter was a student. So I called up the athletic department and then they called CU's athletic department. And then CU's athletic department was like, hey, we got a collegiate recovery community, I think, on this campus. We'll try to find out about this Duke Rumley guy in sober AF entertainment. So then they called the collegiate recovery community, and they're like, oh, yeah, you know, he's a good dude. We've done some stuff with him. 
And then she told me the story and I'm like, look, I hope I didn't get you in trouble. Mm. You know, I tend to not ask permission and just do a lot of things and Mm -hmm. start calling around and somebody's got to fund this thing and someone's got to get the word out. And she's like, no, Duke, you don't understand. Like the athletic department didn't know we were here and we've been here for 10 years. (laughs) (laughs) Which which was like another aha moment. Like, you know, universities are super hard to work with. Um, because they're their own collegiate entity and none of them want to stick their neck out. Like, Hey, we're doing something about this problem of alcoholism or drug addiction because then they're admitting there's a problem with alcoholism and drug addiction and half their kids are under the age of 21. So you would think this would be the perfect spot for something like what we do. Um, but they're, you know, very guarded with, uh, working with kind of outside entities. So, um, we found some other partnerships that, that have, uh, allowed us to set up a sober tailgate beforehand. And we just kind of fly in and get it funded and, and then invite like treatment centers and different sober residences and try to get the word out to the local recovery community and invite the collegiate recovery. But typically they can't toss in too much dough or have their, their, um, name on any flyers with us. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's been one of the uh, aha moments. And then, um, new year's Eve in 2019 going into 2020. So 14 months ago, we had 140 kids at an avalanche game sober. So that was awesome. Just having that many kids sober on new year's Eve. And then we went across the street to this music festival called decadence, which is a huge EDM. It's the largest music festival over new year's Eve. And, you know, we've been there, and this kid comes up and he's like, look, I came here with uh, two other kids and the three of us made this pledge. We we're going to be sober yeah. and the two of them are using. So I heard you were here. I was either going to use or I was going to come find you. And you could tell this kid was totally triggered. So we kind of pulled them back. We had this big tent and there was maybe eight of us and uh, two or three of them just kind of talked him down a little bit. Yeah. And the bottom line is he was so triggered. We're like, look, get out of here. Like, this really is no longer a safe place for you. And he got in his car, drove home to his home group. And then he got there by midnight and they were doing some midnight uh, event. So, um, you know, it's kind of like little success stories like that, um, that you can kind of tell, like just the idea of what we're doing is going to change some lives. Absolutely. Yeah. I appreciate you sharing that. That's, that's, that's what we love to hear. That's what obviously you love to hear is, is those stories from people who are just extremely thankful for this opportunity. And it sounds like it's, it's, you know, it's just so weird how what you're doing today is something that is not done all over. Um, Because you would just think based off of the numbers, the stats that more people would come out like yourself and be like, okay, let's figure out how can we create a safe space for like-minded folks at these events um i think is honestly a beautiful thing that you're doing it really really is because every single place unfortunately entertainment you're going to see alcohol right that that's just that's just a fact that's just america um unfortunately so it's it's and and of course there's still alcohol i'm assuming at these events but that section that you have you know there's no alcohol and or drugs in that environment right right Right. Correct. That's, that's, that's pretty awesome. So what does that kind of look like for the section at, um, the Pepsi center? 
in a sense, you know, what does that what does that look like if if I were an individual who just bought a ticket? Um, am I am I purchasing the purchasing the ticket through Safe? Um, so typically, um, we'll set up an event and we'll have a link to the tickets because I do not want to get in the ticket game. Um, right. Just you don't want to get stuck with tickets. And secondly, we've never made any money on any of our ticket sales. So we call the um, so the Nuggets or the Avalanche play at the Pepsi Center, and we'll ask for you know half off tickets or some group rate discount. Um, and we're a nonprofit, so because we're a nonprofit, we're able to get typically these you know forty to fifty percent off tickets. And then I'll ask for you know one hundred and fifty tickets in a section. And I'll ask for like a boardroom to host an event. So just because, you know, wintertime in Colorado, we are not tailgating outside. (laughs) So they give us a boardroom, which is crazy. So the kids show up, they walk in, they show their ticket, they'll have an extra pass. So they get like a wristband taken up to the VIP section where the boardrooms are. We're not sitting in that section because we're in the nosebleeds and the cheap seats, but they still get this like VIP experience um we'll set up like cornhole inside the boardroom um and uh you know sometimes we'll have uh either food catered or we'll give them some uh you know five bucks on their ticket so they can go out and get you know a hot dog and um and then we go and sit together is is really the key aspect um that's pretty cool so what i've learned is like alcoholics don't buy things early so typically we have this (laughs) This ticket block up until like eight days before the event. And, uh, you know, so I get the call like the day of the event. Like, hey, man, I need 25 tickets for my, uh, you know, sober living house. I was like, look, you need to buy them eight days before the event. We lost the block. Um, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> That's so true. Uh, so uh, Alcoholics. Yeah, we, we. Ooh, and I'm saying we, of course, because I'm in recovery. RJ's in recovery as well. But my goodness, my procrastination. Oh, ugh. <laughs> it is that fear of missing out, right? It's like, yeah. oh, it yes. sounds pretty fun, but you never know when something better is coming around the corner. Right. And I'm pretty sure the Tropicana Tan, you know, uh, massage team is going to come through or, you know, I'm going to get invited to some other party or. Um, so we've tried to kind of educate our community. But, you know, to a point you guys made earlier, um, the CDC came out and said there's 23 and a half million people in a in some portion of recovery from drug addiction or alcohol abuse so there's 23 and a half million of us out there so i mean there's a big enough need mm-hmm. um and i've worked with legislators trying to get funding for what we do and they're like look you know if we try to cut funding for like um you know breast cancer you know there's like riots at our door you know right. if we cut funding for addiction nobody shows up like it, it's a super un uh motivated uh yeah motivated and you know i think we're we're under this uh, idea of anonymity and this yes. idea of anonymity means i'm not allowed to tell you about us and i'm not allowed to fight for us and you know like a closed mouth doesn't get fed mm-hmm. right so if we're going to have our mouth closed we're not going to get a little bit of funding you know, it's trust me, I know how to do events cheap, right? You can get 50 pieces of chicken for 40 bucks and you can get you know, 10 pizzas for $60 and uh, you can ask for a free place to to have this party. So it doesn't have to be expensive. 
Right. Um, but it'd be so, nice if it was, right? <laughs> yes. So, you know, I'm 31 years sober. I'm 53 years old. You know, I'm probably not the right face for what we're trying to accomplish, but I've also had kind of the experience behind me um, that might, that people will say yes to. So I'm sure if, you know, I had, you know, three months of sobriety and I was kind of this 24 year old kid, it's a little tougher to get some of these people to, to trust us with the, you know, a boardroom at the Pepsi center. Um, I mean, you just got to tell those kids, look, I got sober in the eighties. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Four decades ago in the eighties, meaning, you know, just saying, just, just watch a, watch a movie. Watch a movie yeah, yeah. about the eighties. Yeah. I got sober during right. that time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's uh, drugs were rampant. Uh, rampant. Uh, I mean, obviously still are, but the eighties most definitely, you know, over sensationalized the use of drugs. Seventies um, uh, as well. I mean, so that's 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 an awesome thing that that you well. A quick story about the 80s and why I am not a heavy drinker and an alcoholic. I uh, um, had this intense experience with alcohol as a teenager, and it rewired my brain and everything. You know, my ideas like it's Monday at school, but I'm thinking about what are we going to do Friday night and Saturday night? You know, how are we going to get alcohol? And um, I uh, talked to my parents. I'm from South Bend, Indiana, but I talked to them and let me go to the University of Arizona. And uh and uh, so I'm at University of Arizona and Nogales, Mexico is only 30 miles away and there's no drinking age and Corona's 25 cents and tequila's 25 cents. So we would go down there in the Super Bowl weekend of 88. I'm down there with four or five fraternity brothers and one of them had fake $20 bills. And oh, um, <laughs> so we go down there. I'm in a blackout. He is washing his cash, meaning he's taking our cash to pay for the drinks, going up, paying with his fake 20s, getting, you know, American currency back. And we did this at a bunch of different bars. And uh, long story short, I get caught with him and basically wake up in this holding cell in Mexico. And, you know, there's like 150 people in this jail and these two gringos who don't speak Spanish. Um and this is now Saturday morning. Sunday's the Super Bowl. Finally, mom flies down on Monday. She starts negotiating my release. They tell her it's 25000 bucks. Of course. She Cash. says, well, <laughs> I have four other kids at home. Good luck with this one. So uh, she walks. And the next day, they lowered my uh, my bail money to four grand. Um so that's my trade in value. If I get drunk, she can take me back and get her 4,000 bucks back. <laughs> so she says to me like, look, I know you're, you're, you weren't involved with this, but if you hadn't been drunk, this wouldn't have happened. And she left. Um, and the following weekend, there's a party in San Diego and I can't go. I got a week of school to catch up on until I saw this keg get moved onto the RV and then my mind changed its own mind. This is the, this abnormal, you know, mm. thinking that I have. And I started drinking. And once I start drinking, you know, I thought the normal reaction for everyone is like, you want to get amped up. And I think that is part of my issue is I get thirstier because I'll never forget my mom being like, why can't you have two beers? And I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, I have two beers. I catch that buzz. And I'm like, I can relate to that. And she says, I know then it's time to stop. 
And I thought that was the weirdest thing I'd ever heard. That, I was that's like, when it's time to have seven more. Yeah. Come on. Right. I was like, mom, that's first gear. You put the clutch in <laughs> and you put it into second gear. That's right. And you clutch in, you go into third gear. <laughs> so I go to San Diego. I get drunk with a different fraternity brother. We miss the RV coming back. Oh, we no. go out drinking Sunday night. You know, I'm this poor college student. And he he's like, look, don't worry. I got a visa card. We can take a Greyhound bus home on Monday. And I'm like, great. In the middle of this blackout, he realizes he can buy tickets on the Southwest cheaper than the Greyhound bus. So he buys his tickets. But I'm in this blackout. Anyways, I come out of a blackout. I'm smoking a joint in a small bathroom thinking it's a Greyhound bus, but it's actually this Southwest Airlines flight. So smoke alarms are going off. And I open up the door thinking I'm the back of this bus and I'm on the 737 with 30 rows of people staring at me. And, um, you know, that is what makes me an alcoholic and not a heavy drinker, right? I have this, Mm -hmm. this mental blank spot to alcohol that I'm going to change my mind and drink. And then I have this, it's all gas. It's no break, kind of this accelerator when I start to drink. And then just for me, just bad things happen. You know, it was never you were so witty and clever and charming in your blackout. It was, you know, little implosions or big explosions, but it was never good. So at 21, um, I thought maybe life could be okay for a couple months without alcohol. And it's just kind of rolled um, to being now 31 years and um, trying to have an epic life still without alcohol is kind of the, the mission right now or the struggle right now. <clears throat> Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Because we are. Thank you well, for sharing. Sure. Yeah, that was you had me drawn in right there right. on that story. I um, I felt myself in wow. your story too because that's that's how I would drink as well. Like you know, you you have that second one, you have that third one, and then being from Wisconsin, it's like, oh, let's drink all of it. You know, we'll right. shut this bar down. <laughs> and I yeah. mean. Uh, I remember we threw a house party one time. We had eight kegs in one night, house party. I just kept going to the gas station. Don't ask me who drove. Uh, I don't remember, but I know in the morning we had eight kegs at our house. (laughs) So, like, yeah. (laughs) Similar vibes with drinking and why we are alcoholics. So you want to know the, 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 the one thing that I think about, uh, Duke, the one thing that I think about is obviously the, the, the sober AF entertainment, the mission is so great. So awesome. So different that as you were speaking, I'm thinking about how would Wisconsin handle that? Like, do you think RJ, (laughs) How would that be up here in this state? And I say this, Duke, because just like what RJ stated, Wisconsin, Wisconsin Nights, um, alcohol is. Uh, it's big it's, in our culture. It's the right? norm. It's the norm. In it's this stitched state. into everything. Everything. <laughs> yeah. It's the norm. And, and, and again, um, I, I, I. Man. Our baseball just, team is you, the Brewers, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm just, I was just thinking about the pushback, not necessarily the pushback, but the lack of engagement that would possibly go on here with that. Um, just because people aren't going to know what it is. And you're talking to what an event with no alcohol? Absolutely not. 
But right. I believe also then that makes this the place that would be awesome to have it. Damn straight. You're challenging that that culture mindset, that cultural right. mindset. And so whenever you're thinking of, you know, contracting with certain venues and what have you, um, is that stuff that comes in your mind? Like, okay, how is this going to be viewed at this, you know, venue during an event or how are people going to, you know, digest this? Right. So the stigma of this, like alcohol is our, our lifestyle, um, is real. And, um, and, but we also go where we're wanted and needed. So, uh, it sounds like we're needed. Um, and I'm sure there is a strong recovery community. Um, and I'm sure there might be a sober, curious community of kids under 21 or in this, you know, when I say kids, I'm 53. So people wanting to take a night off, you know, so we have a pretty low bar to, to entry for us. Um, but to your point, uh, culturally, we're not always welcome. Um, when I'm working with a certain universities, and uh, it was Colorado State University. I'm throwing them under the bus right here. Fort Collins. Fort yeah. Collins. Right. And I was like, why are you not supporting this event more? Like, we need you to promote this throughout the school. And he's like, look, we have all kinds of different sponsorship with local breweries here in Fort Collins. We can't be sponsoring your event. And I was like, you're a university with 50% of your kids under the age of 21. I appreciate you being honest with me, but that's kind of a bold statement to a parent who has a student here. Um, because really the culture is there's this drunk culture, but as a, a you know, a parent of uh, a, a woman in college, I'm worried about date rape. I'm worried about inappropriate behavior towards her. I want her to feel safe. I want her to be safe. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, they and, said to you that they care more about money than. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. That's what's so weird. Like the, you the can promote <laughs> sobriety and still promote like <laughs> responsible drinking. Like why yeah. is there a disconnect there? That's that's odd. That's so true. Yeah, oh. and who doesn't want to protect their kids from like yeah. fentanyl poisoning? So, um, and we try to make it a really low bar to, to enter and work with us. We're not preachy, you know. It's not this huge abstinence movement. We're like, hey, if you want to take a night off, we got a spot for you. Nice. We're here for hooking up with a sober wingman, wingwoman, and just kind of recharge your sober, you know, battery. So kind of the question is, you know, sporting events are easy, right? You, you get half off tickets, you throw an event beforehand, mm -hmm. and you set up a link. Concerts have been really hard. They don't need help selling tickets, right? Yeah. Right. So they typically um, have not returned my phone call. So we'll almost go in. So we'll go to Red Rocks, and there's an upper north parking lot that we'll go to. We'll throw some yellow balloons out of the trunk of the car. We'll have some food. Everyone will meet there, and then we try to all go in and sit together. And that's kind of how we've done the the concert stuff. But we really haven't had any luck getting discounted seats up to this point. Right. Um, and then music festivals have been really easy to work with um, because we'll call them up and say, hey, we're this nonprofit. Here's what we do. If you give us a tent space, we can set up a sober support tent. Ideally, we get like six tickets for free, we give those to our volunteers. Everyone works the booth for two hours and then spends the rest of the time at the music festival. Um, so we've had a lot of success with 
um, kind of music festivals. And really, the idea is like it's not like it's a AA meeting. You know, this is just a place to come in, charge up your battery, meet some other folks who are trying to stay sober at this thing. You're not the weirdo, right? There's others of us out there, you know, doing it. And I think just that little like, oh, my God, I'm not the only one is really, you know, making that difference. And then, you know, for every hundred who hear about us, maybe one come. But those other 99 hear about it. And it's smashing this stigma that my life will be over if I get sober. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, that's something that, um, you know, you mentioned earlier how we kind of sit in our anonymity and uh, we're not very vocal, especially like funding and stuff. That that definitely comes from the stigma of, you know, when you're uh, admit to being an alcoholic, when you admit to um, having a substance dependency, that stigma that uh, there's something wrong with you, that people look at you like that you don't really want to put yourself out there right. like that. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's where it starts, but trying to smash those stigmas, like you're saying, like, that's, that's the big thing. That's why we talk the way, you know, what we talk about ourselves, you know, we tell our stories, we let people know, like, you know, what we went through so that you can possibly relate. Um, one thing that I've noticed, uh, especially through the sober lady, Nikki, uh, over in Britain through her, like, we're starting to get a little bit more vocal. There's a, there's a big community of us. And, uh, you know, this is, I'm hoping that you're starting uh, a little bit of a movement here that we can move through being, being okay with being public, uh, about our sobriety and not people just walking past. They're not going to walk past their event and go, Oh, those are the sober kids. Look at those losers. Just stand there. They don't even know what to do. Like you actually get it right back to do. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So that's awesome. Such a great point because yeah, you feel like a. At times, you feel like an outcast. You do. Yeah. You you feel like an outcast, and then it seems like it seems like when you, even if you're at a certain point in your recovery journey to where you know you 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 got it, you know you're you're you know the training wheels are off, and, and right. you got a good support system. Still, when you go into these certain events or certain groups, knowing obviously, okay, I'm not going to drink, I'm not going to use, you still feel as if like that's tattooed on your face you you feel awkward and everyone right. and everyone tends to bring it up too like oh oh are you doing okay like i'm fine <laughs> i'm doing okay you got that um, scarlet letter on you yeah it's like it's like no you you can drink <laughs> if you want like it's i can't handle it but you can but i right. just can't you know put that into my system anymore so it's awesome to know that there or there is an organization safe out there where I can go into an event and be around folks just like me. So it's already off the table. It's already off the table. The, 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 you know, talks about using or whatever, or if you're feeling that's off the table, it's now let's just have some fun with people just like ourselves and, and mingle, have a good time, a sober, good time and, and connect, you know, grabbing other people like yourself and placing them into your support system and, and obviously helping them as well is, so, Monte, story. amazing point, because if I go to something like that by myself, I don't, I guess I'm only thinking about this now, but there's almost like this mantra you have to put in your head, like, okay, remember, you can't drink, 
you know, or if somebody offers me weed, you know, you don't, you, you can't do it. But if I'm there with another sober wingman, it's like the two of us are like 10 times stronger than just myself being there. Absolutely. Be, right. Cause I got this little voice in my head, like nobody will know you can do it. You know, um, it's still in there every once in a while. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's weird. Like when I fly, he talks to me. He's like, all right, we're getting on an airplane. You know what you do on an airplane, right? You drink on an airplane and, uh, or like an airplane bar when you're by yourself. So oh, man, it's you're weird. Touching nerve. You're touching the nerve right there. Yeah. That, that's me right there. Airport bars. I'm right there. Right. right. Yeah, those, those trigger me when I, when I go into an airport, I'm like, ah, oh, man. I'm like, okay, nope, nope. Stay focused. Stay focused. Stay focused. Right. <laughs> so, I'm so right with you. you know, we're hoping um, that there is, you know, a giant movement here and we think we might be a little early, but not too early. Um, we've done 64 events up until COVID hit, mm-hmm. um, March 18th of last year, we're supposed to bring out the game ball for a nuggets game. And they're going to say, thank you. Silver AF entertainment with the attorney general and one of the state senators. So that got canceled. Oh, that's So nice. we, so we went virtual and we hosted three virtual music festivals on Twitch and we had 130 artists play over June, May, June and July. And we had 40,000 people watch. So we had this huge number of people watch, but it was really <laughs> hard incredible. building community. Yeah. So yeah, 40,000 people watched and each artist had to say, thank you, Sober AF Entertainment for the Safe Festival. Um, so wow. congrats. Yeah. <laughs> that is a successful event. <laughs> yes. Wow. <laughs> so uh, really, we're just figuring this out on the fly right now. Um, so it was great. And then we're kind of doing some quasi in-person and virtual stuff now. Um, for the Super Bowl, we went down to Tampa and we had 120 people at a Super Bowl party where we had three musicians. We rented out this nonprofit gym and we had Miss America come to it, who is a trained pharmacist, Miss America 2020. Um, but we also had uh, like the drug czar. So the deputy director of the White House's National Office of Drug Control Policy on his own nickel flew down. Um, we had a former NFL player, Randy Grimes. Um, he spoke at it also. So, um, we're kind of getting back into the in-person stuff. Mm-hmm. So I would love to do the Notre Dame Badgers game. That would be a good game to do a little sober tailgate at. That would be, the, uh, that'd be really cool. At be Sol- awesome. <laughs> it's at Soldier Field next year, I think, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that would be awesome. There, there's yeah. one to get into. Yeah. Chicago. <laughs> or, um, we'll, we'll figure something out. I mean, ideally... What we have done, we've asked our community to host 72 sober tailgates on their own this fall and that we're going to outreach for them and show them how to do it. And that's to honor the 72,000 people who died of drug overdose in 2019. Um, So Penn State reached out to us. Virginia Tech has reached out to us. um, TCU. um, We've got... So right now we have 150 tickets for the Colorado USC game, October 2nd. Um, Virginia's playing Virginia Tech in Blacksburg, September 2nd. Um, We have a Brewers game. I have 1,000 tickets to one Brewers game this year. It's in Colorado. It's June 18th. Um, So we're going to have 1,000 people sit together for uh, a Rockies brew crew. So you guys have to come out for that. 
<laughs> Friday night. <laughs> that that would be fun. Friday. That'd be fun. Yeah, not a bad idea. I'll have to let my right? buddy know about it too. He lives right. in uh, Arvada, so I'll I'll reach out to him to see if yeah he'd <laughs> like to go. That that's really cool. You're right. You know, you're not just. I I really like that you're not just sitting down and I'm like you know Denver. Denver is my area. Like I'm just going to focus on Denver. Like you're reaching out to everybody across the nation. You're going all over the place. Right. That is awesome. I'm I'm so. You've been innovative in this space, and you had to get creative. And you talk talked about how COVID kind of derailed things. It derailed a lot of people. So, like being adaptable. How did you come up with the music fest, and what was that like? Getting that together. Um, it was really hard. Uh, I definitely never want to get back into the music business again. I'll tell you that after. <laughs> I mean, um, but it, it. What I have learned is like that uh the kid who loves music festivals and wants to be sober is going to fight for sober af entertainment right that kid he's the one calling me he's the one saying hey we want to do it at this event um they are the most passionate group of kids so i am uh i i, I just don't want to be putting on music festivals i want to you know you still basically be involved just yes, I want to support kids at music festivals. Right. Well, I don't want to pay for them. I don't want to pay for them and hope people show up and sell tickets to them. But we may end up doing stuff like that. Uh, you know, the reality is, so we've we've had to learn and we've had to be innovative. And um, somebody came up with the idea, hey, let's do this music festival. We'll have two channels with different types of music playing at the same time. So. Um, we found a group that would hire the artists and we paid for all these artists. And then we realized no musician wants to go up against another musician. So instead of having two channels, we decided to have just one channel on Twitch and we decided to do it over five days. So it was a five day, um, maybe we had 70 bands or 50 bands. It was probably 50. Um, anyways, it was a lot. And uh, it was on Twitch. I don't know if you guys know Twitch. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Live streaming. Usually kids play video games and, yeah. you know, there's a hundred thousand kids watching Ninja play uh, oh, yeah. Fortnite. You know, Fortnite. <laughs> so I think like the first night, maybe we had, um, you know, 500 people. And then the second night, you know, it was like 700. And then the third night we had like a thousand live views. And at one point, we were the number one channel on Twitch with like 2,500 people watching at the same time, um, these different <laughs> nice. musicians. Fantastic. So this, this was stuff. May. Um, so it was our first one. So um, we'd gone out and gotten some sponsors, and we probably broke even on it. And then we did another one in June. So the first one was a total of 27,000 people watched over the five days. And then the second one we had, I want to say it was 10,000 people watch over three days. And the numbers were just kind of going down. And then in July, we did one and we had, I think, 6,500 people watch over three days. So it kind of felt like people were tired of looking at their phone for a music festival and people wanted to be outside. <laughs> so we kind of stopped doing that. But what we did restart was a... Um, every two weeks we do something on Twitch where it's a music event and it's two artists 
typically in sobriety. And then in between, I will do like a five minute interview with either the artist or like suicide prevention or some type of recovery support um, just to help educate kids of what we're trying to accomplish. Um, so that's on safe spaces. That's uh, the Twitch channel. And uh, we're doing one March 31st. It's our last one. It's going to be three artists and I'll have three different interviews. And um, But long story short, we're doing that. But we want to get back in person. So um, I think we'll be in Dallas at the end of April doing a, a music festival. Um, I mentioned the thousand tickets we have with the Rockies uh, June 18th. And I'm trying to get you guys to fly out for. So hey man, what if I got a this this. Safe needs to, uh, man, it's, 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 it's really needed out this way. Really, really yes. needed out here in Wisconsin. I mean, honestly, as someone who is on a recovery journey, same with RJ, we literally just spoke yesterday about um, along the lines of where to go, what environment, is there an environment out there um, for folks just like us who can feel safe, feel fine, feel comfortable um, at an event. Right. Really so it's here. coffee shops, right? I mean, you can't even yeah. go to a bar to meet people because there's alcohol. So, mm-hmm. you know, how, how yeah. do we kind of crack that code of how do we socially interact again? Right. Um, if, you know, we want to drink coffee or, you know, club soda or, you know, orange juice and cranberry. I mean, we still drink, we just don't drink alcohol. Right. Um, right. <laughs> and how do we set it up? So it's fun and cool and you know somebody's got to promote this or nobody's going to hear about it i want to i'm going to chat so with true. you we're going to chat with you offline uh i got some i got some wonderful ideas i've got an organization i'm going to connect you with as well too if you would like they're called i can drop their name they're called badger recovery right and it's for students um on right campus. on and it's on campus yeah um i spoke with them i spoke to to the uh students it was last mm, month yeah last month now how are they doing um, through covid uh you know they you know same as is as everyone and i hate saying that as if you know obviously they're you know, dude we're in crisis mode i mean it's yeah, okay to say we're screwed right struggling. now <laughs> yeah we are isolated sh- this is not struggling. good for our mental health absolutely yeah so that's what i shared with them i talked a lot about mental health what i'm doing to, to stay on track um spoke about rj our, our podcast if they want to continue talking chatting with us but long story short yeah we gotta we gotta connect because this state state of wisconsin most definitely needs us absolutely um because i mean rj and i talk about it all the time like where <laughs> where where is there to go right that you can find people like us it's rare I, if there is we're out there out here. <laughs> yeah that yeah <laughs> i mean, I mean. <laughs> You go, you go to an event, and you know, <laughs> I don't know if you've noticed this, but you know, I've talked about it before. Every time you, somebody offers you a drink, you say, no, um, I don't drink. I'm sober. Oh, oh, I don't drink all the time, just like on the weekends. I usually have one or right. two, and I cut myself right. off. Have you noticed that that is something that happens a lot? As as you- <laughs> yes. They want to tell you how little they drink. Yeah. <laughs> My favorite is like, oh, I don't ever drink. I'm like, ever? They're like, oh, one or two a year. And I'm like, that's not really never, but sure. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It feels like if once you tell somebody that you do not drink, that you're in recovery, 
it's almost as if they feel then that they're being it's judged. a trigger yeah <laughs> yes like, oh, oh well i don't i don't do it all the time it's just on special occasions it's like i don't you can do it as is if you're doing it safely if you're not drinking and driving if you're taking care of your, your responsibilities and just you know unwinding on the weekend and being safe about it, hey mm-hmm. more power to you right <laughs> i just couldn't i didn't know when to stop once it was time to drink it was time to drink till i passed out period yeah, and one thing that we uh, we talked about, too, is, like, friends. Like, you know, Mons and I have cut off a lot of friends. Like, we used to have quite a few friends, and now where do you go to meet new friends? Like, you can't really go to the bar. Like, you know, there's softball, basketball league, but then, you know, sometimes people find out that you're sober, and they're like, oh, uh, okay, and then they just – you get – ghosted they, they think you're right weird. they think something's wrong with you right so these events would be a great place to be able to mingle too you go to like you, you mentioned a coffee shop but you can't just go into a coffee shop and start talking to people they're gonna be like what are you trying to sell right. like why are you <laughs> right. talking to me i'm here to be, right. be by myself and i don't want to buy any mary Kay. i'm reading right. my book excuse me <laughs> are, are you selling magazines i don't want magazines right. some <laughs> A multi-level marketing company of some yes. sort. <laughs> but that's, uh, I'm telling you, man, this is most definitely needed in the States. And uh, and RJ and I would love to connect offline and figure out how we can, just to see what we can do. Yeah. Have you guys checked out Clubhouse at all? You know, the social media? Is that an app? That's yeah. It is. I've that's where kind of looked talks, into right? it a little bit. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I've, I've, I created an account, but it's kind of weird. It's kind of awkward at first. It is like going to a conference and you got like 10 people on stage and then there's like 50 people listening and then you can raise your hand to ask a question to these experts and supposedly you can then get into their DM and then direct message them and get to know them. And, um, but there is a recovery movement on Clubhouse, which is pretty cool. And it's not AA and it is um, just kind of a, a community to meet. Anyways, I say all this. I'm going to try to get a channel or a show going on Clubhouse for Sobre App. So this would be a way that we can kind of all meet and people in different areas say, hey, I'm looking to do something in Milwaukee or I'm looking to do something in Chicago or Detroit or wherever they're looking to do it. Mm. Um, because that's, that's really cool. the trick Yeah, is like, you know, how do we kind of connect people? You know, we've got a little grant money. We can, you know, mail you, you know, mass if that would help or. Um, really, it's kind of like a policy and procedure, what to do, how to use our nonprofit status to get half off seats, yep. um, and really kind of how to manage a sober section. Um, the Rockies and the Denver Broncos had a sober section inside their stadium, and they got rid of it, both of them. Um, Probably because nobody they knew about it. <laughs> right. Nobody knew about it. And then people would sell those tickets, not telling people they were in a sober section. Sure. So, um, you know. Anyways, we haven't done anything with the NFL because I, I don't know if it's our community safe there really to, up to this point. Um, the NFL, I don't think, will be too receptive to the message yet. I mean, they make, which is so unfortunate. Again, we're talking apparently dollars are more important than, than human lives. Um, the NFL, I doubt at the current moment, is going to be receptive at all to implementing a sober environment just because just like what RJ stated, Budweiser. Right. <laughs> well, I think there, we're at this tipping point because of COVID, right? I mean, they may have a little bit of a problem getting people back in stadiums because of COVID, right? 
and maybe the optics is just right right now that they can, you know, um, have a little support for, I mean, who doesn't want to save their kids, right? And yeah, I just kind of get absolutely. back to that. Yep. You know, we don't have to be this big abstinence group. We're like, look, we're just another culture for kids under 21 or however they want to, you know, kind of let us in so it doesn't offend the Budweiser's. Hmm. Well, and a, that's like the point man. we got to earlier, just because, you know, you have, you're promoting sobriety doesn't mean you're, you can't also promote healthy drinking. Like, right. you know, they're not mutually exclusive. You can have both. And exactly. there, there's nothing wrong with that. But uh, a lot of people can't get past that. Like, um, that is, that is a little bit frustrating. Um, yeah, it's, Which, I feel like it's, it's people think that we're like this alien. It's like we, it's like we just can't put that substance in our body. That's it. That is it. Right. We choose not to. We <laughs> choose to drink coffee and orange juice and Coke and Pepsi and like right. we still drink. We're just not drinking tequila right now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, just hearing that word just makes my stomach turn. Tequila will kill you. <laughs> Pretty sure I felt dead. I thought I was dead a handful of times waking up after that, and I do not miss it. RJ, how about yourself? Right. <laughs> no, no. Ooh. I that yeah, that is the. <laughs> I I told people at work like uh, you know I just I just got vaccinated last week. The next day I felt like I had a hangover, and it was my first hangover in eight years, and I did not handle it well. Oh man. <laughs> right. It's a good reminder. Right. Yeah. Like the, the people at work like, oh, it wasn't that bad. And I'm like, yeah, but you're used to being hung over. I'm not. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so Duke, this is my plan. This is my plan. I say we kick down the doors of yes. Lambeau, Lambeau Field. Yes. Kick down the doors of the Cole Center where, where the yes. Badgers play. Uh, basketball, hockey, um, volleyball, and kick down the doors of Camp Randall Stadium and, and, and get this implemented. Sweet. Let's get the sober badgers involved and we'll find some local uh, sober livings and treatment centers. We'll find yeah. an army of kids. I mean, they're out there. Um, and that's kind of our job at Sober AF Entertainment is really to do the outreach. Um, we know treatment centers. We know recovery communities in that area. Mm-hmm. Um, and so really the idea is like, hey, look, we're throwing this amazing party everyone's invited right and we really i think it's this community building that we're missing right now i mean we're so isolated as a that's what um, i was just gonna say this is a really different groups and you know you can't be mad at somebody when you're eating a chicken wing with them watching football yeah right and we need this connection right now and because we've been isolated or you know trying to figure out how we can't go to bars how do we kind of get reconnected you know, this mission's never been more important. I agree. I, I hard to just disagree with that. Um, so like out of COVID. Yeah. I was just going to say one thing that I've kind of noticed, and this just kind of like an epiphany too. There are a lot of different recovery groups, right? There's a, it feels like there's a different recovery group for every person in recovery. A lot of small groups. We really need right. to try to, combine forces we need to to how can we support each other can we like you know get underneath an umbrella and really i think that would lend to uh 
you know, knocking down the door to some of these legislators, getting a lot yeah. more active in communities, <clears throat> like showing that, you know, just because you're in recovery doesn't mean you have to be a hermit at home, right? Um, mm. th- so, like, you you nailed on that point. I just want to take it a little bit further in the recovery community. Like, uh, yeah, that's that connection that, you know, that we need that trunk of the tree and then have the branches right. going out. So. When you when you reach out, what do you think is uh, let, let's say you're advertising for an event? What do you think is like the biggest door in your way right now? What's the biggest hurdle you got to get over? Um, so it's if we're looking for like corporate sponsorships, you know, bragging that we hey we've done sixty five events, we've had forty one hundred people attend, mm-hmm. we've done virtual, we've had over forty one thousand people attend. Mm-hmm. You know, they're like, hey, that's great. Come back when you can put a zero behind that. So, mm-hmm. like, trying to figure out some type of corporate sponsorship has been hard. Um, universities, you know, want to know you for two plus years before they work with you. Um, that's been that's difficult. That is so true. Oh. So. So we found this group tailgate guys and and they've already negotiated with 55 different universities and they set up the big screen TV, the tent, the chairs. They've already negotiated the space with the university. So we don't need university approval. We just pay these guys, you know, a thousand bucks or 1500 bucks. We show up, there's signage, it's everything. It's a little bit of a corporate area. So it's less of a drunk fest. Um, And then, you know, we kind of reach out to all the different treatment centers and sober livings in the area. But to your point earlier, you know, I mentioned 23 and a half million people in some type of recovery from drug abuse and alcohol abuse. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there's probably a million in AA. I mean, we have this assumption that AA is recovery and it's not really church is the recovery movement. I mean, there's more people mm-hmm. who got sober through church than anything yeah. else. And to your point there, celebrate recovery. There's all kinds of different recovery movements and we're not trying to say we're a recovery movement we're like just one of the 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 things that you can use to help stay sober Mm. right like Mm. the fact that i've been sober a while doesn't mean a great deal we're all living in today Mm -hmm. so you know i think we can kind of get stuck in like oh he's got x amount of years and you know he should be the leader because this guy only has you know a less number of years but it doesn't matter Mm -hmm. right no, I mean, we are in today and today um, is the most important aspect of this. And, you know, how do we look into the future and not keep looking in the past? So that's such a good, you point. know, I, um, and I think that thing I said before is like a closed mouth doesn't get fed. And we're taught to be this closed mouth because of our recovery. And we're not going to get, you know, taken seriously and we're not going to get any bit of funding. And at the same time, all these kids are dying, right? Right. 82,000 kids is probably going to be 100,000 this coming year, plus suicide, plus all this stuff going down. And, you know, maybe there is a movement right in front of us that's as silly as a sober tailgate and then a sober section. Mm. But it's going to change some minds. And you got to start somewhere. You give give people other options Mm. and they will choose, you know, that's really what you got to do. You just got to present them like the status quo doesn't have to be there. That's something that the younger generation is kind of doing. So the fact that, you know, you got on, you said maybe a little bit too early. I think 
maybe you were right, but I think it's just around the corner, like being able to, you're, you're getting your network and being able to, uh, yeah, put all this, this is, this is really good. I'm, I'm really, you, you just made me really excited. So <laughs> this yeah, well, entire I, interview, <laughs> right. <laughs> I, um, yeah, this is something I'm telling you, Duke, we gotta, we gotta figure this out. Just last night, I was looking at some stats, some numbers about, you know, alcohol. What were you looking at last night, Mons? (laughs) What were you watching last night? Oh, how do I get one of those? That's That's a beautiful t-shirt. I need that t-shirt. Wild Aces. What's that story? Have you ever watched the FCF? It's uh, it was a brand new football league. They had six weeks. It was four teams, and it was on Twitch. No, we streamed it. it. Every right? night there was so there were two games every Saturday. Last night was a championship, and Mons before the season we had our teams picked out. I was the Wild Aces. Mons was the Glacier Boys, and uh, they played for the championship last night. And it came down to the final play, and the Wild Aces oh. won. But well, like of the six weeks, I think there were three games that did not come down to the final play. Like it was a very exciting league. It's basically arena football. You you sign on to Twitch or you get the app on your phone, and you get to vote on the play that is going to be called on offense. Oh, how so, cool! Yeah, you pick the team that you want to follow, and then you get to call that team's plays. Like, yeah, like it's really cool idea. And it was their first season, and they they crushed it. They had what what they say last night, like seven and a half million views through the first uh, five weeks. Like, damn. Yeah, they and it's it's a lot of fun too. So a lot of celebrating. It was the they say so we we had wide receiver Andrew Jamil on our sports podcast a couple times who's a wide receiver for the Glacier Boys and he told us that um that today actually the championship game was last night today they're having tryouts for the second season right and their second season is going to start up in 3 months so you're going to have like people that might be playing in this league and then all of a sudden they get a contract to go to uh, like training camp or something in the middle of that, like second, you never know, you never know what's going to happen. So yeah, it was just really cool. So I just had to give Mont some, some crap this morning. Right. <laughs> uh, Duke, I was going to mention about the numbers of alcoholism or, or the excess drinking that I was looking at last night is uh, through the roof, through the roof right now. I was reading it all late last night in that, uh, just like what you stated about how we're going to need this now more than ever. I most definitely agree with you on that point, because I think us coming out of this, mm-hmm. you know, obviously I'm going to remain optimistic here. Hopefully we get to that point to where COVID is no longer as big as a threat as it is. Um, people get vaccinated, what have you, whatever, uh, to each their own. But I feel like there's going to be this, this this turning point in a sense or not necessarily a turning point us coming out of this isolation i'm worried that that folks are gonna take what they the habits that they created during their isolation period into right. into this uh into their life in a sense of of, of going to certain venues and etc so this is more this is needed now more than ever in my honest opinion because it seems like everybody's in a crisis mode right now Everybody. And I've already felt it. Like I went to this music cares event up in uh, Fort Collins and I remember driving up there and it's getting dark. And I'm like, uh, it's getting dark out. You're supposed to be home watching Netflix. Like, 
and just kind of right. this mentality yeah. of like, why don't we turn around? It's safer at home. You won't know anybody at this thing. And I was like, oh shit, like I've gotten used to staying home too much. This is ridiculous, you know, <laughs> Absolutely. and, you know, pushed through it and went to the event. Glad I did. But I, it was just a reminder like, oh yeah, like all of us have gotten way too comfortable being isolated. Anxieties are going to be higher. Like you're, yeah. you know, being in crowds and everything. Like I, I just see it when I watch TV shows, when I watch TV shows that were made, you know, before 2020, it's like, where are their math? There's too many people there. Like I was watching a right. highlight of the Badgers in the tournament in 2017. And I'm like, why are all these people touching hands? Like, why are there right. so many people? Like, <laughs> right. yeah, that's, it's just that, that anxiety is going to be there when we get out in public too. So um, what time are the Badgers definitely. today? That's the important question. Uh, one forty, is that, I think it's one forty Eastern or maybe two forty Eastern. Um, one of those, either one forty Eastern or two forty Eastern. Let's go Badgers! That would right. be that's what I'm yeah. saying. Good to see them make a long a run, make the upset. Final Four. So, <laughs> and Colorado too. Yeah, and they, like we were talking about earlier, they looked really good in their win. So that that'll be a lot of fun to see them make right. a run too. They couldn't miss. Might just keep it up. So I uh, I don't have any more questions on 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 my end. I think that was that was awesome. That was that was All right, June eighteenth. We're gonna get you guys to throw out the first pitch. The Brewers at the Rockies Friday night. How's that sound? <laughs> oh, it's hard for me to commit right now. <laughs> I uh, I can't turn that down. That there we go. That's a dream. There Throwing out the first <laughs> yes. pitch. Let's go. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> now it might be at the wiffle ball game beforehand. That's but you're all right. Out the I first got a pitch. wicked we'll curveball. We'll get it figured out. Yeah. Oh, good. <laughs> I got a wicked curveball. Let's play some wiffle ball. <laughs> that would be a better stadium to throw the first pitch out in Coors Field. I threw the first pitch out in the Brewers game and right. <laughs> don't be mad because you short I'm a Cardinals. I'm a, I'm, a Cardinals the dirt? Fan. I'm from uh right outside St. Louis so I'm a Cardinals fan so I always give him crap always Good. right <laughs> but uh no it was a great pitch always you know I'm an athlete what, what can I say no. there you go so what <laughs> what events do you have coming up here so June 18th we have a Brewers Rockies game so where can people go to find that and then do you have any other events that are coming up yes so i suggest everyone goes to our website we've got a really fun interactive website that's got a bunch of videos of stuff that we've done um like i said we've partnered with the nhl nba and major league baseball for 65 events over the last three years um and then going forward we're filling up a calendar but at the moment um our next live stream is march 31st uh june uh 16th is the brewers rockies game um we're finaling uh a music festival at the end of april in dallas i think it's called ub doobie is uh some big edm <laughs> event um i'm probably pronouncing it wrong i have these boomer moments that uh um anyways uh sounds we good have, to me <laughs> yes it sounds like scooby so, snacks a little bit you know? yes it, it's gonna be a blast um and it'll just be good to be kind of back in person. Um, but right now we're looking at uh, September 31st with a Mets uh, game. We are looking at uh, September 2nd, uh, Virginia at Virginia Tech. 
um, and we're looking at the Rutgers Michigan game on September 25th. Uh, October 2nd is the USC UCLA, uh, USC versus Colorado game here in Boulder. And then a, um, Baylor at TCU game, I want to say is October 25th. So basically it's, um, we got a couple in the works. I think it's going to fill up fast. The phone's beginning to ring again. People are asking, Hey, what can we do? We got COVID, but we think we can do this. Um, there's a music festival in Colorado with Flow Rider on July 9th and 8th and 9th um, that we may or may not be uh, hosting us over support tenant. We're in the middle of working that out. Um, so really go to the website. If you want to host something, there's a, there's a, a pull down option that you can uh, apply to host your own event. And we will outreach for you. And we will help you set it up through uh, our nonprofit is really the goal. Um, so really the goal is let's figure out how to have some fun and get people on this um, calendar so they can host their own. Really, I don't want to do it. I want it to be a national do-it-yourself sober support movement, right? And we're just teaching people how to do their own. And um, and really, and that's it, right? We awesome. help people host their own and that's how we change this culture. Oh yeah. That, that, that's, that, yep. That's the mission. That is so mission. what, what, what's your website? Sober S O B E R A F E.com. Awesome. So sober A F E E.com. So pretty easy. Sober A F as in sober and fun entertainment. So sober A F E.com. <laughs> we appreciate that we appreciate you so duke rumley thank you for joining untapped keg uh thank you for everything you're doing with sober af entertainment uh it's really awesome and thank you for sharing your stories 31 years in recovery congratulations thank That's you fantastic miracle so, <laughs> freaking miracle that is what it feels like sometimes i yeah i'm hoping one day i can say i'm 31 years sober so we uh yeah well, we really don't appreciate drink you joining and don't us. die yeah there we go right <laughs> so um let's see here soberafe.com check it out hit up that music festival at the end of the month and uh yeah we look forward to working together in the future so so i want you guys to know like nobody else is doing what you do so i just want to say i kind of appreciated somebody spinning away from the fluff and really talking about the hard stuff. Yeah. Right. And you guys, I mean, it's really not many people are getting, you know, as, um, you know, kind of looking at their own past and talking about their own shortcomings. You guys have been really vulnerable in these past podcasts that I've listened to. And, um, there's a lot of folks talking fluff on uh, podcasts. So, mm. uh, you know, kind of keep it up. You've got some great speakers. Um, and it was just kind of really cool. Like, you know, we can talk about this Super Bowl, but let's kind of talk about, you know, how do we, you know, live our lives um, when, you know, we got some anxiety going on and, and it's really cool to, to see. Yeah. We appreciate that. That's thank awesome. you. That, that's, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> really appreciate that. But that's all I got. All right. All well, got. <laughs> thank you everybody for joining us. Uh, thank you again for Duke for joining us. And let's Thank try you. to be better tomorrow than we were today. Because at least if we don't make it, we try. 
Everybody have a good week. Talk to you later. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.